When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. Do you want to learn how to manage your own investments? Are you ready to stop paying investment management fees and start building wealth? The DIY Investing Podcast is dedicated to providing you with the knowledge, skills, and resources you need to be a better investor. Learn how to make investments through the use of fundamental analysis, mental models, and business management insights. Now, here's your host, value investing expert, Trey Henninger. Hello and welcome to the DIY Investing Podcast. My name is Trey Henniger and I'm your host. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to get more great investing content. If you're listening on YouTube, hit that like button on this video and any other platform, your five-star rating and review are a great way to support the show. Thank you for your support and please consider sharing it with your friends. So let's dive on into today's topic. And today I want to answer a question that I have received from one of our listeners. And this question is, how much time should you research a stock before buying? Basically, this question is kind of multifold. You know, I'm kind of shortening it into this general idea of, but it really comes down to what is your research process and you know, how much time is involved? What do I need to be doing when I am doing an initial search on a stock? So this is what I want to dive into. How much time do I personally spend researching a stock before buying? And and, and the rule for me is that it generally varies, but um, you'll hear me talk throughout the show today about kind of this 10-hour rule. Um, and, and I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about this, but I think 10 hours was just a probably a max that I spend. So I, I'm going to use this in just a way of thinking about framing this, but it's going to vary. It will vary for each person. If you are a beginner, then it should likely take you longer before you buy a stock. And if you are more experienced, it'll be shorter. If you're an expert, it could be a lot shorter. Um, and so depending upon where you are in mastering the, the basics, the fundamentals, um, and your level of experience, it, it'll vary, but you'll still be able to learn from the framework that I lay out here to understand what are the steps you need to achieve before you go out and buy your stock. So another way of answering this question is that it takes as long as it takes to answer the questions. So there's going to be a few questions I'm going to lay out here during the podcast today. First, is it cheap? Is it good? Is it safe? Um, I'm borrowing these from um, my good friend Jeff Gannon of the Focus Compounding Podcast. He's talked about this in different stance, and he has a different perspective on these than I do. Um, but I do think they're good questions, and I'm going to introduce my own questions later in the podcast. Um, but I think a starting point is taking his questions, and then we'll use my questions um, later to really define what you're actually looking for. Um, but I think that's one way to answer it. So really it takes you as long as it takes in order to answer those questions. And as long as it takes to answer the questions, I'll lay out. I have two questions of my own. 
The other key mental model that we're going to use today is this 80-20 Pareto principle rule. And it's this idea, it's it's throughout a lot of different parts of the world, a lot of different ways in which things work. Um, basically, the idea is, is like 20% of your activity will lead to 80% of your results. 20% of your actions lead to 80% of your results. 20% of the stocks that you buy lead to 80% of your returns. It's these general types of ideas. And when you take it across um, the spectrum, basically, it's not just at the 80-20 level, but it also goes into sub-levels. So if 20% leads to 80% of your results, then it also means that 1% of your actions lead to 50% of your results, or 1% of your purchases lead to 50% of your returns. And so that's the Pareto principle. You'll see it throughout many different areas um, and it is a really good mental model for you to capture, but I'm going to apply it here because a lot of the impact of the performance of your research is going to come down to a few, few things. So just answering these few key questions can get you to 80% of the result. And what you'll see is I'm going to structure them in a way that allows you to optimize your time and give you an efficient research and screening process. So into the meat. Now, I'm going to say 10 hours. So how long should it time should you research a stock before buying? And when I say 10 hours, I don't think you should spend 10 hours. 10 hours for me is when I was trying to answer this question that was directed to me one-on-one from a listener. I said, I don't think I've ever spent more than 10 hours before I start buying a stock I like. Now, that doesn't mean that I've only spent 10 hours researching that stock. Um, as I tend to invest in illiquid companies, I, it's often that I will have to buy my stocks over long periods of time, whether that's, you know, uh, a month, two months or six months. And the most recent stock that I purchased in 2020, I spent six months building the position. So I had to buy on a weekly basis, a monthly basis throughout the entire six months in order to build my position. So while it might've been less than 10 hours of research on that company before I bought it, I continued researching it throughout the entire six months. So I, I spent lots and lots of hours, you know, affirming my thesis, looking for weaknesses and all that sort of thing um, throughout the time frame when I was building that position. But I didn't do all of my research before I bought the stock. Before I bought the stock, all I had to do was answer those three questions. Is it cheap? Is it good? And is it safe? And so I want you to use this framework to think about what you need to do before you buy the first share of stock. And now this might be different for you if you're going to... um, if you're not buying a liquid companies and you're not doing consistent follow-up research, uh, which I think is value valuable, but if you can buy your entire position in a day, then it, it might be a little different because then you need to do maybe more of your research. Or even if you can buy your whole position in a day, maybe just buy part of your position and continue to when you you know complete these questions, and then you can buy more as you do additional research. Um, But I've always found that when you own some shares of a company, you start to look at it differently. You start to think about it differently. Um, Just having that skin in the game means now you're paying attention to the company more than if it's just on a watch list. If you own a share, if you own 100 shares, you own a small position, it's on your mind. 
you're going to be considering what's going on with the business. You're going to want to learn more. And there's just something psychological about owning some shares that forces you to change the way you think about it. So we're talking how much research do you do before buying the first piece of stock? Not buying your whole position, but before you buy some stock. And so my answer, again, is that I don't think I've ever spent more than 10 hours researching a company before buying some, if I like it. Um, and if I don't like it, I, I, I usually stop significantly before 10 hours. So how would I structure those 10 hours? Well, the first question that you need to answer, and this is how I think you should do it first, is the first question is, is it cheap? So as value investors, we're looking for cheap stocks. We're looking for a good deal. We want to buy stocks below intrinsic value. Now, when we're answering, is it cheap? We're not talking about intrinsic value. We're not. We don't know the intrinsic value yet. We don't know what the company is truly worth. We are just starting to look at it. So someone gives you a stock tip. You say, someone's like, hey, I want to buy Tesla. Okay, so you don't know anything about Tesla, let's assume for a second. And and so you type in the stock ticker, you go to QuickFS, you pull in the financials, and you want to know, is it cheap? You can, whether this is QuickFS, whether you use Google Finance, Yahoo Finance, whatever you want to do, is it cheap? I think you should be able to answer this question in 10 minutes. So your first 10 minutes of my like 10-hour max um, goes towards answering the question, is it cheap? And if you can't answer, is it cheap, within 10 minutes, the answer is no. This is, a, this is a really simple framework I want you to have. It's not that this is the best process ever, but I think it's a good starting process, especially for beginners when they're trying to sort through the fact that there's hundreds and thousands of stocks out there. There's hundreds of stocks that they might be thinking about on their watch list. There's maybe a thousand stocks of different people on the internet talking about so you need to know in the first 10 minutes, is the stock cheap? And like I said, if you can't do that, the answer is no, because it means it's not obviously cheap. What we're not trying to determine that it's less than intrinsic value now. What we're trying to determine is, is this stock cheap enough for me to spend more than 10 minutes looking at it? And that's the real key because your time is scarce. Your time is important. It's the most important resource you have. And if you're researching company A, then it's you're not researching companies B through Z. So you need to be able to know, is company A cheap or not? Yes or no, really, really quick. And there's a lot of ways you can do this. Um, my favorite is to have a nice and easy rule of thumb, have a cutoff. So um, first and foremost, if the company's not making money, the answer is no, it's not cheap. If, if the company is unprofitable, then it's not cheap. Unless you have read a thesis and you know it's going to be profitable next year or the year after um, due to some very clear catalyst, um, the quick answer is no, it's not cheap. Um, another way, another useful metric here is have some sort of break point on a price to earnings ratio. So price to earnings ratios aren't perfect, um, but they're a good starting point. So I like to use a price-to-earnings ratio of 10, but I think you could argue a price-to-earnings ratio of 15 works just as well. Basically, if the price-to-earnings ratio is in the single digits, if it's less than 10, then the stock is cheap. And if it's more than 10, then the stock is not cheap. And so I thought with this sort of metric, 10 minutes is generous. It should take you 60 seconds to determine if the stock is cheap if you use this style. But basically, you're looking and saying, hey, if the stock is cheap, 
That means it needs to have a single-digit P.E. ratio. If it has a double-digit P.E. ratio or a triple-digit P.E. ratio, it's not cheap. Um, like I said, I also you think you could expand this to a P.E. of 15, especially with the way the market is today. It would be relatively rare to find a lot of single-digit companies out there. Um, I certainly find them. I invest in a lot of them. Um, but if you were to say, okay, anything under a PE of 15 is worth looking at, so PEs of 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, I think that's a good range. I own some stocks that have PE ratios between 10 and 15, and I've bought those stocks when they were between PE of 10 and 15. And so I think that's a reasonable range, especially if you're looking at high-quality companies like iTarget um, or like I think you should target, then you're more likely to find them in the 10 to 15 range and have that be considered cheap than below 10. But those are kind of the ways I want to think about. There's some other ways you can look at it. If you want to get a little bit more in depth and use the full kind of 10 minutes, you could use like a, a program like QuickFS where you pull up their financials, you compare their growth rates and now you're maybe going to use an earnings yield metric and compare it to a growth rate or you'll use like a revenue to operating margin metric um, something like that where you can kind of gauge normalized earnings or something that it, it goes a little bit more in depth than current year earnings that's fine but you want to keep it simple so my go-to is I have a PE cutoff and I like a PE cutoff of 10. I want to buy single digit PE companies. So if it meets that, yes, I move on to the second question. If it doesn't, no, I stop and I move on to a new company. So let's move to the second question. The second question is, is it good? Which is a broad question. People can think about good in many different ways, but I think about it. Is this a high quality company? Does it have a moat? Um, are the earnings safe? Is it cyclical or not cyclical? I'm trying to get some idea of the quality of the business. Does this company face a lot of competition? Does it face regulatory risk? Does it face um, disruption risk? Is this a good company? Is this a good industry? That sort of thing. So I'm seeking really the second question is quality. Is this a quality company? So I think you can dedicate and figure this question out in one to two hours. Now it's going to vary. You know, if you're a, more of a beginner, this is going to be a harder question, significantly harder than is it cheap? And the, the, the third question, is it safe, is even more difficult than that. So your experience level will affect the amount of time here. I'm not saying you need to hit 10 hours, um, but I'm just kind of framing the relative amount of time to spend on each question. So is it good? Is this a high quality company? Is it? And there's some markers here, but I think you should spend your next one to two hours out of your 10 hours um, budget on, is it good? Because if you already know it's cheap, then you really would like a cheap, high quality company. And so how would we do this? So I would dedicate that one to two hours doing a few things. Any company, before I buy it, I always read the, t the annual report, the 10K. Uh, the 10K is the document filed with the SEC that reports annual financials and management discussion of those financials. So that reading that annual report is a must. And so I think reading the 10K goes into this category. Once you know a stock is cheap, then it's worth reading the 10K, reading the annual report. 
Now, for most people, you're going to be able to read an annual report somewhere between 30 to 90 minutes. It's going to take you some, especially in the length of the annual report, it's going to be somewhere between half an hour to an hour and a half, maybe two hours. And so that's why I say your next one to two hours should be spent on this category. But I think for the most part, especially after you have some experience under your belt, you should be able to determine if a company is a good business based upon an analysis of an annual report and kind of looking more in depth at their financials, looking at the sustainability of earnings, looking at the stability of earnings, the stability of margins. Um, When you're looking at the 10K, you would be reviewing stuff like the, um, you would be reviewing the returns on capital. Do they have high returns on capital? I just did the coffee can portfolio um, podcast last week. And in that podcast, we talked about having returns on capital of at least 15%. So do you have returns on capital of at least 15%? You know, so you're looking for margins like, like things like that. You're looking for understanding the competition in the industry. Is it a competitive industry? Does it have a lot of competitors? Does it have that um, technological basis? If they're spending a huge amount of money on research and development, then that could be growth, but it could also mean that it's a, a business that's up for disruption. If they're having to spend a lot of money on marketing, maybe they have a lot of competition. Or, I mean, again, it could also just be growth that they're trying to bring in customers. So you have to kind of look at that and dive in. Um, but usually, especially as your experience grows, that should take one to two hours because you're going to read the 10K. You might look at an investor presentation and you might read some um, investor write-ups that you find online, whether that's Value Investors Club, maybe that's uh, you know stuff like the MicroClap Club that I just joined, maybe that's people's investing blogs like my blog or other blogs. Um, I like to do that where basically I read the 10K, I look at other people's investment thesis to see if I think it's a high quality company, and I look at investor presentation. And all those things give you kind of clues about the industry, about the returns on capital, sustainability of that, and kind of understanding the stability. So the more cyclical the company is, the more likely I am to say that it's not a good company. It's a low quality company. I don't want cyclicality in my business. Um, But that's where you spend your next one to two hours. You've answered, is it cheap? If you got a yes, then you move on to, is it good? And if you get a yes to, is it good? Then we move on to the third question, is it safe? So is it safe is the most important question that you have to answer because the the number one rule always with investing is to avoid losing money. You don't want to lose money. If you lose money, then you're going to disrupt your compounding. It will delay or ruin your wealth journey. So the most important question is, is it safe? Which also means it's the area that you want to spend the most time on. So in our like 10 hour budget, we're talking about the next eight hours would be, is it safe? You're going to spend 80% of your time on this. The problem is, is that you're going to spend 80% of your time on, is it safe? And it's the most important question. And you're going to spend 20% on it of your time on, is it good? And is it cheap? But once you've answered the first two questions, If they're both yes, that's 80% of the way to the buying. Because if a company is both good and cheap, most of the time it's also safe. 
The reason that is it safe is such a hard question to answer and takes so much time is because those things tend to be things that are hidden. Because if it's a high quality company that's cheap, well, the cheap provides a margin of safety because it's cheap. Um, And if it's high quality, then it's probably not cyclical and it's probably has good returns on capital. So you're really just trying to find out what's wrong. Why don't other people own this? Why is it cheap? Why is it both cheap and good? Something doesn't make sense. So it's a lot of investigative journalism type stuff where you're really trying to understand um, the business, you're really trying to understand the driver's competitive risk, Very anything that could go wrong, trying to determine if there's bankruptcy risk, default risk, fraud risk, stuff like that. Um, that can take a long amount of time. It can be hard to identify, um, but it is the most important part. But this again, our 80-20 Pareto principle, your upfront 20% of the work, the two hours out of 10 determined is it cheap and is it good? And that's 80% of the way to buying. That's 80% of the stuff that you want, um, but the last 20% is, is pretty important still with is it safe. Um, and so you're going to end up spending 80% of your time just to get that last 20% of the way to the buying. Um, so is it safe is the hardest one to answer. There's no formula for determining is it safe. There's no clear checklist that I have. Other people have checklists, and, and it's worth copying those, especially if you're a beginner. Um, but really it's something that you're going to have to work on for, you know, your intuition and really trying to understand how to figure that out, how to work through it. So I don't have a clear formula on it other than to say it's an area you're going to have to grow on with experience, but it is the third step. And I think you should be able to do it in eight hours. And so with all these, if you can't determine the answer in eight hours, then the answer is no. If you can't determine a company is safe in eight hours, then the, then the answer is no. It's not that it isn't necessarily safe, but it just means that the company is too hard for you to evaluate. If the business is so complicated that you need more than eight hours to evaluate it, to determine if it's safe to even buy your first share, I'm not talking about a full position, but even buy your first share, then, then it's not the company for you. Find a business that's easier for you to understand. Um, Now, again, this 10 hours could be 20 hours for you. This 10 hours could be 40 hours for you, depending upon where you are in your investing journey. It's not a formula. This isn't some great big rule of thumb. This is just me looking at my history of investing and saying 10 hours is a lot of time. Now, this is focused work, though, too. It's not just like 10 hours reading Seeking Alpha articles. So, So, I mean... This is effort. It's not, you know, it's 10 hours of focus. But um, so is it cheap? If you can't answer in 10 minutes, the answer is no. If, is it good? If you can't answer in two hours, the answer is no. And if, is it safe? If you can't answer in eight hours, the answer is no. And the key part here is if the answer is no to any of those questions, then stop and move on. You can put the company on a watch list. You can put it on a side say, okay, well, if it failed cheap, then then put an alert on it and, until when you think it would be cheap. Um, if it failed good, I don't think it's worth buying. I, I've increasingly come around to stuff that I just don't want to buy low-quality companies. I, I don't want to do it. Um, so if it's not good, move on. Just put it on a list of stocks you looked at in the past. You can even write it up on your blog and say, hey, you know, I didn't think this quality was, was high quality for these reasons. And that's good and helpful because if you write that down, well, 10 years later, you could go back and read it and say, oh, I was wrong about this. I was wrong about this. I was wrong about this. Or, hey, I was right. And so you can learn that way. Um, but the key here is about efficiency of time, efficiency of your research time. You see, the most important issues in descending order is safe, 
is more important than good and good is more important than cheap. But cheap is the easiest to verify and cheap is easier to verify than good, but good is easier to verify than safe. So these are flipped. So it's not that we're focusing on the most important first. What we're doing first is focusing on the easiest to verify, the easiest way to eliminate a company. If a company is trading at a PE of 20, skip it. The company is trading at a PE of 30, skip it. Why? It's because it's more likely to be a waste of your time. Especially if you don't have a fully invested portfolio, you need to quickly churn through ideas until you find some ideas that are worth spending your time on. So the whole point of the process is to get used to going through and doing research. One of the biggest problems for new investors is they spend too much time doing research or too much time um, reading books and not doing research where their research isn't focused. It's more meandering. You know, I read a Seeking Alpha article. um, I heard a news story about a stock. Maybe I read this. What you need to do is you need to be a focused investigative journalist. You you have questions you want to answer. So is it cheap? That's a question you need to answer. You answer it and then you move on. Um, is it good? You're going to read the 10K and you need to write out questions on the 10K. What don't you understand? What don't you know? And you might exit the 10K and say, okay, I think the company's good. And then I'm going to spend the next eight hours answering all the questions I found on that 10K. And you need to write them down. This is an active process. If you're going to put your money at risk, you better do the work to do it. And so this is the process you need to follow. So those are the questions that I um, am borrowing from Focus Compounding. But what I want to go into next is my questions. And and, and while those questions are helpful to, as a framework, I like my questions as my framework. My framework has two questions, not those three. Um, I think that's a useful framework, especially as a starting point. But those questions are really meant to help me answer my questions. And my questions are two. The first question is this. Is this my best current idea? And the second question, is it better than something I currently own? And you need to answer yes to both. If if it's not yes to both, then move on. If it's currently your best idea, but it's not better than something you currently own, that's fine. You can still continue researching it and it can go to the top of your watch list. But that means that you have a fully invested portfolio and, and, and you're quite happy with it. So you need to continue seeking out new ideas that might be better than something you currently own. But there's a key caveat here. Now, if you hold cash, let's say you're not fully invested. Let's say 50% of your portfolio is in stocks and 50% of it is in cash. Well, then the second question becomes, is this idea better than cash? It's no longer, is it better than something I currently own? It's, it's, is it better than cash? Because now you don't have to sell one of your current stocks to buy it. You can buy it with cash. So, because the thing is, is if cash is one of your positions, then cash is what you compare it to. Cash is your opportunity cost. So, you really need to answer yourself. Will exchanging this position... Would I rather have this position or would I rather have cash? And that's the question you need to answer. So if it's your best current idea, then you need to determine if it's better than what you own. And if it is, well, well, that's, that's your answer. If you know it's better than something you currently own, then you make the change and you buy the new stock. 
or at least you start buying the new stock and, and, and then eventually make a change. Um, but if it's not your best current idea, why are you spending more time on it? Once you know it's not your best current idea, once you've answered no to one of these questions, then you move on and go and try and find a new idea. You should always be spending your time on your best current idea or trying to find a new best current idea. That is how you build an efficient research process. Your research is intended to either help you better understand your best current idea or help you find a new best current idea. And that is how you need to structure your research. And the only other research you're doing is basically maintenance research on the companies you already own, which you should always continue researching the companies you own so you're consistently keeping up with what's going on and the amount of maintenance research will vary by the company. So thank you for listening to today's podcast. I hope this is helpful for you. Again, the amount of research time is going to vary from person to person. I can't tell you how much you need to do. All I know is that 10 hours is, is usually about the limit that I need for my companies before I buy my first share. But for companies I own for a while, I might do hundreds of hours over time. Um, and, and really, it's as long as it takes to answer those questions. So the one framework, is it cheap? Is it good? Is it safe? My framework, is this my best current idea, and is it better than something I currently own? So thank you for listening to today's podcast. The full show notes for the episode are available at diyinvesting.org slash episode 109. If you've gained value from today's content, please consider supporting the show financially as a patron. You can become a patron at diyinvesting.org slash p-a-t-r-o-n. Thank you for listening, and until next time, stop paying fees, start building wealth. Thank you for listening to the DIY Investing Podcast. Please visit our website and subscribe to our email list at DIYinvesting.org for guides, videos, and resources to help make you a better investor. The DIY Investing Podcast is presented for general informational and entertainment purposes only. I have not considered your specific situation or risk profile, and I have not provided investment advice. The information presented on the DIY Investing Podcast should not be construed as investment advice. The views and opinions expressed on the DIY Investing Podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the show's host or sponsors. DIY Investing, its producers, sponsors, and host, Trey Henniger, shall not be liable for losses resulting from investment decisions based upon information or viewpoints presented on the DIY Investing Podcast. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. At Stangy Law Firm, we represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri.